Welcome to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. A podcast with a mission to educate, motivate, and inspire others to stand in their purpose and watch what the Lord will do. I'm your co-host, Amber Archer, and joining me, as usual, is my awesome husband and business partner, Mark. The awesome husband and business partner. (laughs) If this is your first time listening, welcome. We are delighted you're here. This podcast is really about all of you, and we can't thank you enough for listening in and joining us as we've been going through the educating part of our mission, I suppose, of going through our the companion book to the film Inwood Drive. Mm-hmm. So this week we are on chapter 11, titled Kathy Humbarger, the tireless pro-life warrior. We love Kathy. Oh, we love Kathy. You, you know, guys- if, it, if it weren't for Kathy, well, there wouldn't be much of a story, but the film wouldn't really have gotten done. Well, and I think it just goes to the power and uh, that every community needs a pro-life warrior leading the mm-hmm. way in their community. Everybody needs a Kathy. Everybody needs a Kathy in their community. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, that's a, that's a good, that's got a good ring to it, right? Right. We could do the sequel. Everybody needs a Kathy. We love you, Kathy. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, so why don't you go ahead and tell us about chapter 11 so this is just it it's just all about kathy um and her involvement through the whole sordid tale mm-hmm. um it was kathy who who helped us with obviously most every aspect of getting the film done um because kathy's the one who had the most involvement in this from the very beginning. She she had been battling this battle against Klopp for, for decades. Right. And let me just let me just fill a few people in if you are just first joining us and we're jumping into this, you're like, I have no idea what these people are talking about. <laughs> so in twenty eighteen we began making a documentary film about our local community and how it became known as the second largest abortion desert in the United States. And we wanted to learn more about how this status was achieved and if it could be replicated, and we wanted to use the gifts and talents that we have as filmmakers mm-hmm. to reach more people and educate more people and really have a desire to see more communities stand up against the abortion industry. Mm-hmm. So back to our conversation. So back to Kathy. And let me, let me take a little bunny trail here because this goes to what we're going to hear Kathy talk about here in, in a few minutes. But way back when I was in my early 20s and I was first getting started, really trying to push my career in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So I was post high school and, you know, trying very hard to, if you will, make my mark in, in the movie world. Mm-hmm. I hadn't done any movies yet. Because inevitably everybody wants to make a difference. Because everybody wants to make a difference. No matter that, what you do. Right. And that's really what it was. For me, I really wanted, I wanted to find some way to use my gifts and talents um, to do something good in the world. Mm-hmm. And I got involved in an organization. And I don't even know if they're still active um, in our area now, but it was called Stop the Madness. And it was an organization that was started by a Reverend Ternay Jordan. Mm-hmm. I heard his story, him, his story and his son's story at a Promise Keepers convention, and I was running camera for this. Mm-hmm. And the short version of their story is that 
Reverend Jordan's son, TJ, was shot in the head by a stray bullet from a gang fight that erupted inside the YMCA one afternoon. And and TJ, his son, and his daughter, uh, they were there for piano lessons, and they were waiting to be picked up. Mm-hmm. And there was a gang fight that broke out in the lobby, and the workers, the staff at the YMCA, kicked them out and made them go outside. They went outside and started shooting at each other, and a stray bullet came through the window and went through the window and hit TJ in the head. And um, and I remember when all this was going on uh, that TJ was basically, uh, he should have died. Mm-hmm. But... The, the whole city rose up in prayer, and for several weeks, TJ was in intensive care. He was in a coma, and then the Lord healed him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he just has this amazing story. And TJ is um, doing very well today. He's a music producer. He lives mm-hmm. down in Nashville area, I think. And so I heard the story, and I went, I want to get involved. And so I went to Reverend Jordan. Now, Reverend Jordan, and he's down in... Uh, Memphis area or something now, I think, but he was here in Fort Wayne, inner city black church. And I am, I am white kid from the suburbs. Mm -hmm. And I went down there and I asked if I could meet with him. And I, I said, I heard your story at promise keepers. I want to get involved, but I don't know what to do. And I'll never forget what he said to me Mm -hmm. was, I don't know. What do you do? (laughs) <laughs> just as simple as that just as simple as that yeah. and i said well i uh i do production work and you know i know how to run cameras and edit and he looked at me and said well then do that yeah and he kind of left it to me and the reason why i bring this story up and incidentally so i did do that and we actually mm-hmm. made a, a a short it was a public service announcement but we re- did a reenactment of this mm-hmm. as a tv commercial and really helped get the story out. And so for me, it was like my first big movie project, mm-hmm. if you will. Wait, can I just go on a, another little bunny trail mm-hmm. here real fast? Okay, you guys. So odd thing, after Mark and I met, and we went searching for a home. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell them the story about oh, the house. Yes. Okay, so I, I know we're on another bunny trail. We'll get to Kathy here. In we a will second. get back to Kathy, but you know, this, is... this this is faith, family, and filmmaking. So you got you get all of it. You like this is just our journey. Okay, <laughs> so to the show. Let me let me do the the fast forward version of this. So that was the first <laughs> thing that I did was stop, stop the madness. The madness. Mm-hmm. That led me to doing my first actual movie, mm-hmm. and then I got a deal for a second movie. But in the meantime, I wanted to do another thing for Stop the Madness. And so we found another story that we wanted to do a reenactment of. And it was uh, a woman who had been uh, actually murdered who was here in Fort Wayne. Her name was Shannon Lutz. Mm. And so this one was much grander in scale. And we did it was several nights. That it was all night shooting that we were working on mm. this. But anyway, we filmed... The a bunch of scenes in the driveway of this house, and it wasn't until years later, and we were looking, and we moved into our first house that we were renting. Uh huh. 
And I kept looking at it going, this looks so familiar. I don't know where I, I feel like I've been here before. And then our neighbor comes and over. And then the neighbor, our new neighbors come over. We're, we're still unloading things out of the truck. And the neighbor comes over. And and I don't remember how the conversation came up. But she had my business card from you know six or seven years prior <laughs> that I had given her and because they we had you know it was a shared driveway (laughs) and so it turns out that we moved into the very house that i had filmed at so odd (laughs) years before it was and i then i went back and i found the all the behind the 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 scenes still photos from that night and sure enough there were there's our house so we don't live and in that we, house anymore. No, we don't live there anymore. We lived there for nine years. Nine years. Started our family there. Uh-huh. Had so. our had our dogs and our daughters there. And, oh yeah. my gosh! And then okay, we just so, yeah. outgrew it. I'm sorry. Back to stop the madness. So anyway, but well, back to Kathy. Yes, so, back to Kathy. So the reason that I wanted to tell that story is because that's the question that we that we asked ourselves was we want to get involved in the pro life right movement, but we don't know how to what to do and then i kind of remembered that advice that i got from reverend Turnay jordan he mm-hmm. said well i don't know what do you do what do you do and i think and, it's a question that all of us can ask ourselves right what is it that we can do what are the gifts and talents that the lord has given you mm-hmm. specifically because we each all play a part in kingdom work yeah. i mean we everyone have a job to do everybody can do something yeah and I tell you, I don't think that we're any more valuable than anybody else because what we do is we tell the story, but we're not the ones that we're are the, out there every day. Are, that are out there every day. Or, I mean, or going into the back room and going through the the TPR reports. Yeah, the termination of pregnancy reports. I mean, that's that's the work mm-hmm. that's done by the people that you that. Have you a passion pa- for that, it. Have a passion for it that you have no idea who they are. You mm-hmm. pass them in the grocery store. Yep. They they don't make a big deal. They don't get any fanfare. They don't get interviewed on the on the news. Mm-hmm. But they're the ones in this case in particular, and in cases all over the country in this battle. Those are the people that that are really making a difference. Yeah. And those are the ones that started to unravel this whole thing for Klopfer and bring and, him And it goes back to why, in the, like just in, earlier when I said, um, it, it takes all of us to, mm-hmm. to get involved because we all do have something. And, and when, we need, when everybody needs a Kathy in their community, mm-hmm. I mean, you just realize how much has been done by getting behind and supporting your pro-life organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was blown away, totally blown away by our right to life organization here. And I know that so many other communities can do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It says, as Robert Kiyosaki talks about, successful people don't say, don't look at something and say it can't be done. They look at something and say, how can I get this done? Yeah. And that's that's what you see in somebody like Kathy. Mm-hmm. Kathy has what she she refers to herself as someone who has the spiritual net, the spiritual gift of networking, mm-hmm. yeah. which we saw and we'll talk about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kathy knows everybody. Yes. And everybody knows Kathy. Uh-huh. And so she's very good at connecting you to people. Mm-hmm. Who which, can get things done. Who can get things done. And not only in pro-life work, but it it's really handy to have somebody like that when you're trying to make a documentary film <laughs> yeah. that spans 
decades. Absolutely. Absolutely spans decades. I mean, so there was a lot of research that we did, but a lot of that 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 she already had and mm-hmm. nobody Oh, all nobody, the old files. Yeah, the old that files and that, that, that nobody oh, really goodness. nobody really knew that they were there or cared that they were there until we came along. Yeah. And to us that's golden. Yeah, we, rich resource yeah, of information. Yeah, we made use of that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I got a snippet of Kathy when we interviewed her, and she talked about how she first got involved in pro-life work. Mm -hmm. Over 30 years ago, a good friend of mine shared with me that she herself had had an abortion. That was before there were any healing ministries or support groups for women who were regretting the decision they made. So she allowed me to walk through the uh, decision-making process that she went through, and she also privileged me to be able to uh, walk through her recovery. So what I found out through her is that women believe the lie that's sold to them by the abortion business, that for a price, the abortionist can erase the life of a baby. It's only after the fact that my friend and millions like her realize that an abortion only makes them the mother of a dead baby. So the Lord grabbed my heart through a heartbroken woman who had made an abortion decision. And from that day on, I was adamant about making certain that to the best of my ability, women would know the facts and I would encourage them to make a different decision than my friend. So it's been an amazing uh, 30 plus years and I have the privilege of working in the arena of public policy. So I have um, an opportunity to work with lawmakers and decision makers to not only pass pro-life legislation that protects women and their unborn boys and girls, but also to enforce the laws and regulations that are already on the books. And we've been very successful. The Lord has granted us favor, and we're extremely pleased about that. As a matter of fact, because of our successes here in Indiana, we're getting invitations from across the country to share what we did here so that they can see if they can replicate it. So when we heard that, I mean, can you imagine when she said across the country, they are getting invitations Mm -hmm. for people to understand, listen, Fort Wayne is known as the second largest abortion desert in the United States. Mm -hmm. That is a massive accomplishment. And, And what that means is women can't get an abortion within a hundred mile radius simply Uh, the next one is in texas i believe or number one the first one so we looked at that and we're like you know we definitely should be supporting our pro-life community here they're they've they're getting things done i mean look at look at what they've done so you know that's why making the film seemed like such the right fit and just the Lord continue just prompting our hearts that you need to move here, you need to move here, and look at what he has done. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Well, and it all goes to, you hit on something about the, the question that we asked that really spurred the film going forward. It, a great story always starts with a great question. Mm-hmm. And the great question for us was, how in the world did, did Fort Wayne, Indiana, end up as the second largest abortion desert yeah. in the nation. How did that happen? That's the whole story of Inwood Drive. Yeah, it starts with a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kathy talks about how her interaction with her friend many decades ago, who went through an abortion. Um, in fact, another time when we interviewed Kathy, and the the way that she had termed it was that 
her friend admitted to her that she had had an abortion and then asked Kathy, will you still be my friend? Yeah. And I, I'll never forget the way she put that. In In the first chapter of the book, I talked about the friend of mine from many years ago the, that shared with me that she was going in to have an abortion. Right. And why. Yep. Now, it's a little different because my experience was with somebody that I didn't really know. It was just, it was an acquaintance. She was my, she was a, a, a somebody that I had met at a film festival and uh, she, she was my travel agent for a while. Yeah. And um, so we would, you know, we would talk on the phone, things like that, but we, we live, I still lived in Indiana. She lived in LA and that was just as far as our relationship really went. Right. Um, and, but she shared this with me on the phone and I'll, and I talk about it in the, in the book that I didn't know what to say. Yeah. I, I, it's the first time I had ever experienced that. And I, I, I didn't really have any sway with her to talk her out of it. Well, because it's it's such this deep, dark, secret sin, if mm-hmm. you will. I mean, how often do we hear the church address things like this and people just don't want to talk about it? Right. I mean, I think, inher- you know, inherently we all know that it's wrong. There are people who say that what they're doing is right and they don't have any remorse but I can almost guarantee they think about it. I mean, subconsciously, we know that that's a life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and Kathy talked about that. It, well, and and Serena that you interviewed yes. a couple months ago mm-hmm. talked about this. That the one of the biggest struggles that she has is trying to get trying to get her foot in the door with with churches. Yeah, because they don't want to talk about abortion. Yeah. And we've seen it too with, you know, with Inwood, when you're trying to market a film like Inwood, because of the subject matter. Oh my gosh. It is shocking. <laughs> the the Christian media outlets uh. that, that I, they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to talk about it because, you know, and I get it. Listen, you know, some of them, they've got a certain, you know, kind of a format and an agenda that they're, that they're doing. I yeah, get sure. that. Mm-hmm. But they won't even come near the subject of abortion. Yeah, they won't even they they won't even acknowledge you. Well, that's that's why there's people like us, right? You know what I mean? When we say everyone has a part to play, everyone has a job to do. Mm-hmm. That's the reason the Lord, like honestly, we feel so called mm-hmm. and know without a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. This is what, uh, yeah, it goes back to that and question. Kathy, Kathy knows what she's supposed to be doing. Right. If Kathy is, I would not want Kathy's job. I couldn't do Kathy's job. Nope. I have no interest in that. And and I. But we will hands down support her. Yes. And, and move forward with her as much as we can. Right. Yep. Because you need people like that who mm-hmm. are willing to go to those events and interact with those people and, and deal with the policymakers and right. you know be the, in the community yeah um and, but at the same time if you're listening to this and you're going well i don't know how to make movies i don't know anything about politics you know what can i do oh, that's well, okay you, you just asked the right question what what do you do yeah I don't know. What can you do? I mean, can you, you answer phone calls? Can, can, can you send emails? Can you stuff envelopes? Yeah. You know, there are a mountain of things that can be done that that every one of us can do. You know, and, and let's not forget prayer. Yes. Please 
please, please pray for your pro-life community leaders. Pray for everyone involved in the movement. It is a nasty, nasty, ugly world. Yeah, and it doesn't always mean it's like like us. I mean, why didn't we get involved? Because we saw it as only picketers. Yeah. And I went, I really don't want to do that. I don't yeah. feel that that's my calling. Well, yeah. that's the majority of what we've seen. That's that doesn't <laughs> that's not the majority of people's involvement. No. It's those behind the scenes, you know. And those who come to the the Right to Life banquets, right. you are all very much needed. Yes. You are all very much in this fight, we are all in this together. Yeah. Maybe it's just, you know, while I'm too busy doing, you know, my my work, uh, you know, I don't have extra time. Okay, well, can you can you give money? Yeah, can you give financially to the yeah. to the pro-life movement? Right. Make mm-hmm. it part of what you're doing. That's how you can help. What can you do? What can you uniquely do and then do that as unto the Lord and he will bless that. Yep. Okay, so back to Kathy. Yes. Kathy, Kathy, Kathy. So let's talk about... (laughs) Kathy in your community. Yes. Kathy had an interesting perspective on why, uh, how how it's not talked about in the churches. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought it was interesting the way she put it. So let's listen to her perspective on that. You know, I am amazed every day when I think about the Lord allowing me the privilege to be so engaged in this fight for the lives of unborn boys and girls and also the hearts and souls of their mothers. I would have never thought years ago that Kathy Humbarger, little janitor's daughter from Southern Indiana, never graduated from college, would have an opportunity through the Lord's grace to participate at the level that he's called me to. And then I think about the people who are sitting in the church pews who think they can't make a difference. And I understand that part of the reason that pastors and churches are reluctant to take this up is because a number of women who have abortions, a surprising number, are attend churches. And as uh, 60 million abortions have been performed in the United States since 1973, and that's an approximation uh, because we don't have really good reporting, but Um, It is unlikely that there are people who have not been touched by abortion at all. So it might be a mother who took her daughter to the abortion facility to get rid of the problem. It might be the person sitting in the pew themselves that did not want to admit that someone who was a a Christian and um, committed to the faith would choose an abortion. It might be somebody who drove Uh, the woman to the abortion facility or paid for it. It might be the father that encouraged the mother to abort the baby. We are all impacted one way or another. So I think part of the reluctance of pastors and uh, people that sit in the pews every Sunday morning to get involved in this is because they don't want to hurt the people that they know who've made the abortion decision. And it's interesting that women who have made an abortion decision tell me that when abortion is never mentioned in church, that reinforces the thought that she has that this must be the unforgivable sin. So while we need to talk about the reality of abortion, we always need to frame that within the context of God's grace and forgiveness at the foot of the cross. But we're really doing a disservice to these women because unless they recognize that their choice was was sinful and they can have Uh, forgiveness and receive the grace that Jesus won on the cross, 
they will stay in that uh, prison of regret and um, anxiety for the rest of their lives. So we're doing them a disservice from that perspective, and we're also doing a disservice to the people who may consider an abortion decision in the future. So we need to not shy back from sharing the truth, especially in the churches, but at the same time extend the the, uh, gift of grace. I think it's fascinating, um, having gone through this whole process of making the movie, you writing the book, Mm -hmm. and just all of the research that we've done. And what we've found is statistically in the church, one in four women have had an abortion. In the church. In, in the church. In the, in the church. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's just in general. So think about the people that you see in the grocery store. Think about the people you see at the library. Think about the people you see even at the gas station. I mean, one in four. And they have even come out. I've seen some articles where they're even saying that it's quite possibly one in three. So the fact that abortion is not being talked about in our churches and God's grace not extended to those women, you could see where Kathy's perspective, why she's so passionate about it. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of hurting families. Mm-hmm. And if I may, I think the 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 real reason behind this, I think there's a lot of reasons why it's not discussed in churches a lot. But well, I'm sure Satan just loves it. I uh, mean, Satan, keep them in sin. Yeah, Satan just loves it. It has been so controversialized, oh, politicized. It's been so politicized. There are so many, uh, I don't want to just pick on pastors, but there are so many people in church leadership in general that are so much more concerned about growing their ministry, right? So they want to keep the those, they want to keep the image and they want yeah. to keep those dollars coming in and they're afraid of losing their tax exempt status because we're getting political. But it's also, there are, there are whole swaths of churches that just don't believe scripturally in the 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 sin of abortion they yeah. they think they they don't they don't follow the scriptures as they should well look at first presbyterian yeah. in their in their document yeah it's, it's just flat out in their documentation says. for that whole denomination pcusa yeah it's okay. It's well. It's really not a pleasant thing, but it, you know, in sometimes some cases, sometimes you just got to kill the baby. I mean, that's just basically what they say. Yeah, which is in the film. I mean, that's how we, that's why I bring it up, just right. because we they were a prime example because mm-hmm. of just going through this process and seeing a church who just says, well, you know, sometimes it's just necessary. Which incidentally is one of the reasons why we have had a lot of holdback from I think. Christian media outlets is because we talk about the the pro-abortion church. Can I just say the truth? Yeah, truth hurts. Really sorry, not sorry. (sighs) But Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. As Kathy said, (laughs) over and over again, it is about you. It's about if the church doesn't take the the initiative on this, then no one. Then who will? Right. That's right. And. Well, I'm so thankful for, you know, people like Serena who have started She Found His Grace Ministry. Mm -hmm. There's so many abortion healing ministries now and retreats for women to get help. I mean, I I just applaud those women for standing up and saying, look, what I did, it was the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. 
You know, we have we have such a pro-choice society today, but seeing women stand up and say that was the wrong choice and here's how you can be forgiven and set free and and not have to, you know, dwell in that past. Yeah. The Lord has forgiven you. Yeah. The, and and thank the Lord for people like Kathy and those who work with her. Uh, Abigail oh, works amen. in her yeah. office, and people like Mike Victor at Indiana Right to Life, and um, and Lynn at Lake County Right to Life that we've yeah. been interacting with. And I mean, there's so many. Those of you who do this every day, we just we want you to know how grateful we are for you. Absolutely, you do work that is of eternal value, mm-hmm. and. And we, we all get to play a part of that when we support those organizations. Right. So whether mm-hmm. it's with your finances, they de- they always desperately need financial help um, or with your prayers or with just being manpower for whatever needs they have, yep. you know, you can find a way to be involved. And that's what we did. And when we, when we went in and sat down with Kathy and told her that we wanted to do, tell that story, uh, that's now a film called Inwood Drive. And it was, it was, I could hear Reverend Jordan in the back of my mind saying, <laughs> I don't know, what do you do? Yeah. And it was two people saying, this is what we do. Yeah. We don't know if, we don't know where the Lord will lead, but we are willing. Mm-hmm. And so we're giving our time and talent and some treasure. Yeah. <laughs> we had to <laughs> largely <laughs> finance, self-finance, but we, you know, we gave our all to do what we could do. Yeah. So thank the Lord for Kathy. Yeah. Well, you guys, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for stopping by and listening. As always, we wanted to just be, hey, you're coming over and hanging out with us, having a cup of coffee. <laughs> coffee. Coffee. Coffee talk. <laughs> so there will be a link on the website soon with um, how you can purchase your copy of Inwood Drive. Oh, yeah. People should actually be able to read this book we've yeah, been talking about. Yeah, I mean, about. we have it. We have it on hand. <laughs> so I'm glad that people are interested in the story and want to know more because it is a story that can help communities around the country. And, uh, hey, church, it's time to rise up. Mm-hmm. It is time to get involved. Um, so we're excited. We're involved. And next week we will be speaking at Lake County Right to Life yes. for their fundraiser banquet. And we are excited about that. We can't we wait really to go are. and share with everybody. So as always, if you'd like to help support our ministry, Fearless Features, you can give online at fearlessfeatures.org forward slash give. And we look forward to sharing more with you all next week. Next week is chapter... It's the chapter 12. after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's about the discovery of the babies. It's yeah, uh, um, it's the death of George Klopfer and the discovery of his horde. Yeah, chapter thirteen. So you don't want to miss it, and it's kind of gruesome. So we'll go through some some tales about that one. Mm-hmm. There are some. There's some. Because uh, only the Lord would orchestrate something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, can you imagine? We were done. And it's so interesting. Sorry, I'm off on a tangent here, you guys. I'm, I am closing. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's really interesting. Next week on September 3rd, being up at Lake County Right to Life oh, is yeah. the one-year anniversary of George Klopfer's death. And this past Saturday. This the, past Saturday the was, the, the, was the one-year screening of the first cut of the film. Right. And that's when we pulled it after the hor- the babies were all found. Right. And wow, what a journey. So it was right about in this time frame one year ago when we found out that 
uh, no, we were still waiting. So we had done the screen, the executive screen. Yes. And it we was were the having, 12th when they were found. And we were having all kinds of problems with Amazon. Yeah. And couldn't figure out what the holdup was. And, you know, we'll talk about all that next week. So. Yep. Okay, you guys, as always, have a wonderfully blessed day. Live for the Lord and live with passion. <laughs>